this is Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Here we are in the future and it's bright. Uh, wait, here we are. Okay, Steven Universe, if you say so. Anyway, I'm Matsy. And I'm the other guy, Micah. On Animation Celery, Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch, or sometimes, like this week, we agree to watch just one movie. As requested by one of our stalkers, we're looking at the Care Bears movie from 1985. We'll get to that later. First, we have our miscellaneous segment where we chat and talk about nonsense. And so, scene transition. Okay. So, as you know, it was Christmas. And I got a couple of things that I want to mention real quick. Uh, first of all, I got, well, you know, I'm, I'm a practically 44-year-old man. I don't get as many gifts as I used to. I don't need as many gifts as I used to. Hmm. But um, I got some thoughtful things, and there was one in particular that I wanted to mention. My brother-in-law got me a book. He gave me a book called Before Mickey, the animated film, 1898 to 1928. Hmm. That's right up my alley. I'm really looking forward to reading that book. I've kind of glanced. Yeah. I kind of glanced through it, saw some. It's fun that I saw some films that I've actually seen. Mm hmm. How a mosquito operates. <laughs> right. Um, also. Something that you might be interested in. Let me tell you a little story. So my brother-in-law and his wife, who is my sister, uh, mm. recently moved into a new house. And mm. while we were gathered for Christmas safely, we're all vaccinated. Um, and there's only like six of us. Uh, at one point, it was decided that he needed to go back to their home to get their Nintendo Switches. Mm -hmm. And since they were going to their new home, my brother and I both went, well, hey, can we take a look? And so we went up to his house and, you know, he's given us the tour. He's like, you know, showing us around the offices, spaces and whatnot. And we got into the master bedroom and I kind of glanced around and something immediately caught my eye. On the wall, they had framed a picture of Garfield. Huh. And... When I say picture of Garfield, I mean, this was a sketch drawn in orange marker signed by Jim Davis. Wow. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What is this? And my brother-in-law, Mike, he's like, oh, yeah, like in the late 70s or early 80s at some point, my mother interviewed Jim Davis and he gave her that sketch. Hey. I was like, what? You had an original Jim Davis drawing of Garfield? From that long ago, it was like Garfield was more or less in his more or less modern design. He wasn't the weird giant triangle thing that he started sure. out as, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of Garfield as we recognize him. But still, like, that was impressive. I had <laughs> no idea that he had that. That was crazy. Yeah. In my Garfield binge recently, uh, I was watching a video that was about... Uh, all the various internet takes on Garfield. Mm -hmm. But even more to the point, the idea that, you know, is Garfield really that big a property? And then he started thinking about, yeah, Garfield is everywhere, right? That he's just in the background. He's on the snacks you eat, you know, he's uh, <laughs> just on whatever merchandise that makes no sense, you know, like, you know, whatever, your, your uh, 
your windshield scraper or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is an ultimate case of Garfield following you. Kind but, of, yeah. I was yeah. like, you know, you were on my mind when I saw that. Like, it right. was like, oh my gosh, Garfield's everywhere. Like, <laughs> this, I ever since we started talking about it with that one episode, it's like, it just hasn't, Garfield has not stopped popping up. Right. He's been there all along is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just... You should uh, take a picture of that for the uh, Twitter or have your uh, sister send yeah. one or something. And yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I was good. I was going to say next time I'm in their bedroom. But yeah, I could totally get one or both of them to send me a picture of that. Mm. Um, There's another cartoon that I watched, but I don't think I'm ready to talk about it because I have this sneaking suspicion. This feels like a bullet that I could load in when I need something to shoot you with. <laughs> so instead of talking about it here, I'm going to save it and maybe it'll come up one day. I guess that's it. Um, can you fill some time? Uh, well, just like you, uh, I am in an age where Christmas is like I'm wearing most of my gifts right now. <laughs> it's like a shirt, some socks. There's another pair of socks. I got I got a little bit of uh, like gift cards and stuff that I turned into uh, delicious in dungeon. All right, we've been doing this so long, I can't remember if I've mentioned that or not. Um, mm. It's it, it's a manga about uh, uh, poor adventurers who have to go back into a dungeon even though they don't have uh, the funds to resupply. <laughs> and they meet a, uh, a dwarf who's an expert at living off of the monsters in the dungeon. Okay. So it's all about uh, preparing and cooking uh, they're slain foes. Hmm. Hmm. It's really good. Uh, quite a fan of it. Um, that's cool. So in a way that was like a Christmas present for me. Oh, and I also got to, uh, Raven made me some, like a nightgown. So, <laughs> uh, I guess I could be wearing that too for the, uh, skirt and pants combo combination, but, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I think the, the bulk of what we were going to talk about, uh, up top was our year in review top fives. Mm-hmm. Interesting concept that you sprung on me, and I went, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe, yeah. you know, every year that we do this, <laughs> we can uh, look <laughs> back and um, sure. assess. So uh, these can be anything. They can be, you know, uh, episodes, characters, or, you know, or whatever. Yeah, Jokes, I, who knows? Yeah, you... All you gave me was top five, and so I, I put my own spin on it. So I'll okay. listen to yours. Okay. Well, well, we'll alternate. We'll go back and yeah, forth. Yeah. Um, my number five is the character of Dapper Denver Dooley. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so good. It should have been on mine. Well, it's lucky then because we can talk about different stuff. But uh, yeah. Dap Dapper Denver Dooley. I never thought much of him as a kid. He's just part of uh, Woody Woodpecker's rogues gallery. But mm. uh, seeing him again, he's hilarious. Um, it's like you say, there's something about him, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's an additional hook where his his laugh, the first cartoon he's introduced and in his, his uh, frayed vest make pretty clear heritage to Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. <laughs> 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 you know... In uh, the new Woody Woodpecker cartoon, he's actually clean shaven and his clothes aren't shabby. Boo. I know. What's the point? I mean, he's dapper, but. He, well, yeah. 
but it was like an ironic name of four, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my pick for number five, Denver Dapper Dooley. What you got, Matsy? Well, for me, I decided that my top five was going to be things that you recommended to me or that we watched together. Because I okay. figured, you know, if I'm including stuff that I did myself mm. or that I mentioned myself, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I loved The Apprentice. Yeah, pat you know, yourself on the back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is all stuff that you made me watch through one way or another. Okay. And at number five, I have Toonsy. Oh, wow. It was... Toonsy was a really cool thing to discover on YouTube. I went back and watched several of her cartoons. Mm -hmm. I just thought about her the other day, and I guess she's between seasons right now. Either that or my YouTube algorithms have lost her. Hmm. Well, actually... Actually, um, I got uh, there's a teaser that I saw, I guess, yesterday. Um, oh, yes. It's the Tunsi anime, she calls it. It's a little weird. Like it's got detail. You don't get to see Tunsi too much at the beginning. You just see like realistic people, but you don't see them fully. Right. You get to see mm-hmm. them from a distance and behind. And so it's got like high quality backgrounds and like a high quality close up of a coffee maker spitting out his coffee and um and then at the end, she's like, she's at a coffee place and gets her cup and turns around and it's Toonsie's head, but she's got a more realistic body. So hmm. it's like human, human proportioned and has breasts, you know, so it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know what to expect of it, but, and in her notes, she said, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been on a bit of a hiatus, but I've been working hard on this. And this is a little preview hmm. of what's coming soon. So anyway, yeah. I guess another thing that would fit into this umbrella, although it's not something that we properly watched, is Corone and other right. VTubers. Because I kind of got into, you know, Corone is a lot of fun. I really got into Gargura, who's a shark girl. Right. Um, I probably never would have watched VTubers if you hadn't mentioned Corone. So that, that's, that's kind of a similar thing, you know, YouTube content creator. It's kind of a wonder that you even felt the, the urge to, because it's so weird, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched her and uh, I can't remember her, the other the other VTuber uh, just today. I was watching them play. I think it's called Sausage Legend. <laughs> it's a fighting game where each opposing force is a different kind of sausage on a fork. And they <laughs> they batter each other until one sausage falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, right. OK, so you got Toonsi uh, parentheses Corone. Um, yeah. OK, so. My number four, I have Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. Now, this was sort of, mm, I think for both of us was sort of a point of curiosity, right? What was this thing? Yeah. So now we know. And though we can say in some regards it's not very good, (laughs) Mm, mm. um, it's one of the things we've done that I think about more than the others. You know, it's, it's just interesting. I it guess. was something it, it was something that I floated through my mind when I was compiling this list. Right. Um, I mean, one of my one of my favorite things is making you laugh. Like okay. sometimes when I'm editing the podcast and I'll find a part where you laugh, I'll kind of go back and listen to it a few times just because I'm enjoying oh, right. it so much. Right, right. And the fun that I had explaining that friggin pirate games or whatever it was called episode. Yeah, yeah. Where they hijacked the submarine and sunk it. Right. And they were dressed up as an ice cream scoop. 
that was a lot of fun. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, was one of the other things that was kind of fun about it is how uh, bungled it was because I looked at the wrong episodes. <laughs> well, so yeah, right, right before we had to reorganize, you know, what are we talking about for these episodes? He's talking about what? <laughs> yeah, but also it was fun because in the midst of these like three episodes that we had both already seen, we each got one that we hadn't described yeah. to us second person. It was fun. Yeah, we might actually, maybe we should do that in the future. Cover like six episodes, no, five? Cover five episodes, but the three we mutually watch and then the other ones we we separately yeah. alter. Or, I mean, or we could just take some series and like, you know, I watch the odd numbered episodes and you watch the even numbered episodes and then we get to listen to them blind. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not a story, uh, too yeah. story heavy thing, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, oh. for, for me, number four, Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. Interesting time, very memorable. Yeah, I agree. For me, my number four was Soul Eater. Oh, okay. This is, you know, I don't get into a lot of anime, Mm. but this is one that I watched. Like this first episode hooked me in this weird way. And I haven't I haven't yet gone back and watched more, but it's one that like when I saw the name pop up as I was scrolling through the episodes, I went right that thing. Mm. It 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 really intrigued me. In a way that a lot of anime doesn't, like, you right. know, I'll, I'll watch something and be like, yeah, like, um, what was that one about the blood cells? Oh, cells at work. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was interested enough to watch the first episode of that and I mm. did like it and I would watch more of it. I just haven't yet. And right. Soul Eater's the same way. Soul Eater's like, I think there could be something to this if I really sat down and dug into it. To me, it's just a sleeper, you know, mm. It's, uh, I th- I think I said this in the episode that when I was considering shonen anime, like boys anime, you know, uh, yeah. which was my favorite, I don't know that I would have thought of this one except within that context. Mm. But when I do, it's like, yeah, I, you know, this was a great time watching this. Um, it's distinct, both in its theme and the way it looks. Yep. yep. It's genuinely funny at times, too. Like... Mm. Uh, Especially, I, I particularly like Death the Kid. He's the, the one with the pistols. Okay. He is uh, obsessive-compulsive to a cartoonish degree, and yet some of the things that he does to me really have the ring of truth that make them that much more funny. Mm. You know, like, uh, he agonizes over whether or not he folded the last piece of, uh, the next piece of toilet paper into a <laughs> pointed triangle, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, a really good series. I often see people talk about, you know, th- that it needs a remake because hmm. it's one of those series that uh, the animation completed before the manga. And so everybody oh. wants it to be like manga accurate. Nah. But to me, it's like you got the manga. You don't need the animation, you know, as long as it's not bad. Right. That you have. It's like having a different story to enjoy. So. That's my mm-hmm. take. I, I haven't read the manga, but I know some of the ways in which it diverges. But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's a great pick. All right. Cool. Unexpected. Um, okay. My number three is The Great Piggy Bank Robbery. Um, <laughs> watching this one again, this is just like a special cartoon, you know? Oh, yeah. I noted at the time that it's just like in a cloud of... It, it, 
disorganized group of cartoons, you know? You don't know what you're going to be watching. It's like Chili Willy and then, you know, uh, and then like Daffy Duck or in this case, you know, but you, yeah. you never knew what to expect. And when this one came on, boy, did it stand out. And you just oh. love getting to, yeah, you just love getting to that rogues gallery, right? That oh. uh, <laughs> snake eyes. Yeah. Like that is one of the sequences in all of cartoons that mm. will just be in my brain has been in my brain for the, my entire life and will be for the rest of it. Yeah. And it, it, that whole part, you know, like afterwards when he's dealing with them and those uh, miniature uh, planes are taking off from Flat Top's head and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's getting in that wrestling match or he machine guns the door and there's just a cascade of bodies falling out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a solid pick. I like I said, like that's a really memorable cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I, I like those short episodes anyway. The not not overall short. I mean, uh, cartoon shorts. So you right. kind of get a a wide sample of stuff. Yeah, it's true. Yes, and you can watch them in <laughs> in uh, twenty minutes. So, well, yes, yeah. Anyway, what do you have for number three? I have the episode of Chippendales Rescue Rangers Catteries Not Included. Ah, because I had lost any concept of the idea that rescue rangers could be that good. Right. Like there's so much, you know, everybody remembers the Cola cult episode, which we also watched. Yeah. But like those early episodes mm-hmm. are like, it's so solid. Like the animation, the art, the, the voice acting, like it mm-hmm. was, and you know, different studio did it for the first yeah, but, season, but right? even like the boarding, like you said, that there's some more ambitious shots that do some interesting mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, like most of the Disney animated series, you know, there's eight million episodes and you kind of have a vague memory of all of them. Because it's just this, you know, it was the background noise of your childhood. Yeah. And so to go back and pick out one and be stunned by the fact that it's actually legitimately good, like that, that really resonated. Hmm. What about you? Uh, for number two or for Chip and Dale? <laughs> well, um, whatever you want to talk about. All right. Do you we'll want to add two. something? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that never left my mind. It was always cognizant of me that, that cartoons were looked real good and then they looked real crap. <laughs> right. Hmm. So, um, okay. yeah. Anyway, for, for my number two, something looks real good. Uh, Wolf Walkers. Ah. Uh, yeah. Like. I wanted an excuse to get to Cartoon Saloon and, you know, then to pick one that I hadn't seen before for us to experience together uh, for the first time. Cool. Excellent. And I've been ch- I've been champing at the bit to watch that ever since I'd heard of it. Right. Mm, like, mm. it's just unfortunate that stuff like this doesn't get promoted worth a darn. So, you know, it comes and goes. It was Apple TV exclusive. Yeah. It comes and goes. It wins awards, but whatever. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so cool, stylish movie, you know, it continues the trend. And I, I'm actually interested to see what that studio will do in the future, because that one is like the Celtic triptych. Right. As they call it, right? Where it's they've got really distinct visuals. I mean, in in diminishing order, I think, like after Song of the Sea still looks kind of wacky. And this this one, not as as uh, stylized. 
Um, I haven't seen The Breadwinner, uh, but I would just yeah, be curious to see where they go in the future, especially if yeah. they can keep if they can keep making movies without them being, you know, financial uh, landslides and still have a studio, you know. Right. Wolfwalkers is real good. Like the fact that I didn't put it on this list doesn't mean that it's not real good. Mm. Um, maybe you could argue that it maybe should be on my list, like maybe above Toonsy or something. But no, that like I love I love the way that movie looked. I love I love accents. You know, I love accents, mm. especially Irish ones. Mm. Um, there was a lot about that movie that I really liked. You know, I think by the end, we can really just do a riffle shuffle of our top fives and just have a top ten. Really? Yeah. I don't think we're going to pick a bad thing. I don't think we're going to go. You're going to say my number two is uh, the Adams Family cartoon or something like that. So oh, that one episode where <laughs> where Captain <laughs> Lou had that beard hoagie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe that should be my honorable mention. but Because uh, I think that's the funniest thing <laughs> on the show. Um, OK, what do, you, what do you have for your number two? Number two, I have. As a general umbrella here, real old cartoons. Okay. The G-Man Jitters, Magic mm. Pencil, uh, Christmas Comes But Once a Year. Mm. All these cartoons that, you know, I said at the time, I would have dismissed as a kid. Right. But now, they are totally my jam. Um mm. Disqualified from this because it's one that I recommended is Popeye the Sailor meets Alibaba's 40 Thieves. Oh, no, whatever. But that but that's like, I have to say, that's one of my favorite things that we've watched in Mm. this series. Like old Popeye is hilarious. Those old cartoons, just getting a new appreciation for all that really old stuff Mm. um, is one of the most important things that doing this podcast has done for me, specifically having you give them to me and make push, me watch them. Push the Fleischer and the uh, yeah. Terry tunes. Now, some of it may not be like old, old, but I think I also in the new year, I'm going to push to other cartoons that are in that, <laughs> that ignore bin from when you're a child. <laughs> so like, we'll see if, if they deserve to be there or not. Like novel tunes. Do you even hmm. remember novel tunes? Uh, Harvey tunes. I think, <laughs> I think Harvey Toons probably belong in the bin, but we'd we'll see, right? Well, maybe Baby Huey is genius. I don't know. Maybe there maybe there's a hot Casper. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hmm. that's that's cool. Yeah. So before we do number ones, why don't you give me some honorable mentions? Okay. Well, similar to what you said about you just can't sort of it's gauche to pick your own thing. Hmm. Um, I put Wolf Children here because. It's my favorite movie, I think. Uh, mm. For a long time, Whisper of the Heart from Studio Ghibli was my favorite, but I think it got taken over by Wolf Children because of, of its emotional impact. Now, so, do you mean like your favorite of Studio Ghibli or like favorite overall? Of overall. All movies? Of all mm. movies. Yeah. Okay. That was a great movie to pick for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was way into that. Totally. Yeah. Very emotional movie for me, too, because it's just like mm-hmm. when you're low, sometimes you'll just watch something. You'd be amazed that somebody made something so good. For for me, my happy place movie is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I think okay. I think I think Life of Brian is a better movie, but watching Holy Grail just makes me happy. Mm. There, there, there is some animation in it. 
That's true. That's true. Ah, um, there <laughs> and the monks that jump off the board and the one that gets <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, there's another movie that I'm kind of in that same you know where it really hit me emotionally, and so I'm like, maybe sometime here uh, on on the show, or maybe maybe just on my own, I'll watch again. Is a is a Ghibli, um, the Tale of mm. Princess Kaguya. Oh my mm. god. And I only d- haven't watched it again just because it kind of does hit me so hard. But yeah. anyway, um, Wolf Children is one of my honorable mentions. The other one is, <laughs> we'll vaguely say just the process, just like having something to think about during the week, you know, mm. to think about like, oh, I'm going to, I want to think of something really funny to throw to the Celery Stalker's slogan or, <laughs> you know, or just just whatever, right? Or the the, the topics in this this section of the podcast, all, mm. all that's been it's it's a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. If you have a job that's pretty stultifying, really fun. <laughs> I don't. I don't have time to think about this podcast when I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, too. That's too bad. Yeah, but it is fun. It, like it's it's a lot of fun to do it. I agree. Mm. How about your honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mentions. I think one is getting started. And that's mm. an honorable mention because I've seen it a million times and it's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you when you gave it to me, I immediately knew exactly what it was and exactly what I was getting into. So, you know, I can't put that too high up because it's old news for me, but it does, doesn't change the fact that it's real good. Mm. Um, the other honorable mention I have is Captain Cape Man. Oh, like, wow. Just... just <laughs> Learning that this character existed in a cartoon that I thought I was very familiar with. Yeah. And how ridiculous he is. Oh, my like, God. I don't know that I like Cape Man. No. But I love the fact that he exists. I think I love the fact that there is a new to me Inspector Gadget thing. And it's so out there from the rest of the show. Americans of our age. That I, I guess it was Nickelodeon they were watching, was it? I can't remember. Uh, uh, but anyway, they hate Cape Man. I'm they, sure they do. Oh, they hate him so bad. They, they think of him as the ruination of Inspector Gadget. And it probably is. <laughs> yeah. But it's new to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get to see something new and stupid in this cartoon that I had some affection for. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Okay, so. Some uh, drum roll. Yeah. I'll wait for it in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number one is Star versus the Forces of Evil. Wow. Not, not something we reviewed, but uh, it was like an ongoing saga where I watched it. I, I, I drip fed myself Star versus the Forces of Evil and came back, told you and how, however people enjoy it when they listen to this podcast. I think a lot of them maybe, maybe have seen it before. And so they get to experience it through me, you know, and relive their uh their memories about star i mean Mm -hmm. cool it was a saga it was like a half year saga for me you know i'm really glad that something that i recommended to you not even for an assignment but just like you know this is a good cartoon if you're interested Mm. in watching it and the fact that it made it all the way up to your number one is sure that's man i because that's a great you know that's one of my s tier cartoons that i love and I'm happy that I watched all of. So I'm super happy to hear that. And I think it must be mentioned in at least a third of our episodes. So you know, <laughs> it's as big. It's as 
as big a cartoon as is mentioned in this show, I think. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. So, Star Versus, my number one. Cool. Um, well, in a similar vein, my number one is Steven Universe. Ah, very similar. It was a cartoon that I had seen a couple of episodes of and just kind of faded out of and went, I don't know if this is for me. Mm. And then you made me watch a later episode. Yeah. And that made me watch all of it. <laughs> no in kidding. Like a week. A week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the same as Star vs. the Force of Evil. I mean, I didn't drip feed it. I, no. I just couldn't. But like, it's the same thing. It was a cartoon that you said, you know. That's I mean, you you did give it to me as an assignment, but at the same mm. thing, you're like, hey, this is this is a good cartoon. And I watched it and went, oh, man, this is like my entire life now. OK. Hmm. Yeah, I was very ha- that's another one of my like super high tier S tier cartoons now. Like it's and it never would have been if you hadn't made me watch the giant woman and the T-shirt, whatever that episode was called. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah. But yeah, like I, it was a cartoon that I had watched some of and went, I don't know that this is for me. I'm probably going to pass on the rest of this. Hmm. And you forced me to watch more of it. And it like sparked me to go through and watch all the rest of it. Neat. That's that's pretty cool. What yeah. a great top 10. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wow. Um, so, well, with that said, I guess we need to get back to work. Yeah. Uh, we watched a movie. We watched the Care Bears movie. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to spoil all of the Care Bears movie. So if you don't want to know what happened in 1985 in this very young children's movie, uh, fast forward, like, I don't know, an hour or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, okay. But if you have no idea what Care Bears are, here's Micah to give you a tutorial. All right. Uh, second only to Hallmark, American Greetings was a greeting card company. The first instance of the Care Bears were as watercolor illustrations by Elena Kucharek in 1981. Under Those Lovable Characters from Cleveland, an umbrella title that also covered Strawberry Shortcake and the Get Along Gang, <laughs> the, Care Bears, <laughs> uh, the Care Bears became Teddy Bears and Toys and an animated special, The Care Bears in the Land Without Feelings, in 1983, it expanded to an animated series from Deke, and in the middle of its run, the Care Bears movie hit theaters. Nelvana, the Canadian studio that handled the movie, later took over television duties with their own series, and I've heard some people disambiguate it from the Deke one by calling it Countdown. I think I've heard it called the Care Bears Family. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think officially it's just the, I think all the series are just the Care Bears, even the modern ones, but. Okay. In terms of story, the Care Bears are magical beings that live on the clouds. From on high, they monitor the earth for children whose feelings are under distress. Then they descend to offer their friendship and to help the troubled children understand their situations better. In some cases, especially against supervillains with a stake in children not caring, the Care Bears employ their ultimate weapon, the Care Bear Stare. Collectively, the bears fire energy from the emblems on their tummies until they repel, convert, or destroy their foe. Now, on to this movie proper. 
So, the Care Bears movie from 1985. For the third week in a row, we get to see an orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) Where the cheerful orphans are getting ready for bed, but they can't go to sleep without a story from Mr. Cherrywood. He tells the story of the Care Bears. I think it's I think you're mispronouncing it as the Care Bears. Well, yeah, by the way, Mr. Cherrywood is voiced by Mickey Rooney. Yeah, very softly. Mm. I don't know if it's like the way it was made or age or what, but the the volume of the voices in this really fluctuated from character to character. Hmm. There was at least one instance where I had to back up to re-listen to what someone said. Anyway, Mm. so as most Care Bear stories do. It starts with the bears spotting depressed children. In this case, the brother and sister pair, Jason and Kim, who have lost their parents, presumably to death, although that isn't stated, Hmm. and sworn never to care about anyone ever again, lest they get hurt again. Secret bear and friend bear head on down to try to make friends with them. And meanwhile, tender heart bear is heading to a fairground on a mission to help Nicholas an aspiring magician and assistant to the great Fettuccini. And I could totally go for some great Fettuccini right now. Hmm. Nicholas, you see, doesn't have a friend in the world. Even Fettuccini is a jerk to him, especially after Nicholas's latest accident, which is dropping an old chest that the great magician had hoped to find something he could use in his act inside. You know, (laughs) Mr. Fettuccini... Looks like he belongs in those Philips CDI Zelda games. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned, I was thinking he looked like a background or a, like, I don't know, a parent or police chief or something in Rescue Rangers. But yeah, yeah that too. If you have enough rubies, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, um, now ten, the, the Care Bears don't generally let themselves be seen by adults. And so Mm. attempting to hide from Fettuccini sees Tenderheart unable to intervene as a mysterious book from inside the chest begins calling out to Nicholas. The book is prepared to take advantage of Nicholas's comment that he'd give anything for people to like him. Back in Carolot, which is the cloud home of the Care Bears, Grumpy Bear is working to put the finishing touches on the new Rainbow Rescue Beam. It's basically a teleporter that will be more convenient than the various cloud-based vehicles the Care Bears usually use to get to and from Earth, and the playset of which will surely have a higher MSRP than the cloud cars. They pause to product place the baby Care Bears, Hugs and Tugs, who mess with the machine and spontaneously teleport Secret Bear and Friend Bear back to Carolot, along with Jason and Kim. In the ensuing musical number, meeting all the Care Bears and opening the door from the transporter room seems to be enough to make Jason and Kim decide that having friends is all right. Mm. Back at the circus, the book lures Nicholas in with promises of power and spawns a key that he can use to unlock the book. This unleashes a spirit who shows him some impressive magical feats that he can perform, including putting Fettuccini to sleep when he actually demonstrates some genuine concern for Nicholas's well-being. I'm pretty sure I was low-key hot for this seductive yellow-faced spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I I have something to say about this book, but I'll I'll get to that later. Well, one thing I'll say is that the evil spirit is not a really great villain name, but 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever. Okay, so now that Fettuccine is asleep, this frees up Tenderheart to finally intervene. At least until he gets trapped in a cage. A Nicholas cage, you might say. Oh. He tries to get Nicholas to just trust his feelings, but the spirit convinces the boy that a better idea is to take Fettuccine's place in the magic act and impress the kids who didn't want to be his friend. Hmm. And Nicholas is on board with that. Once he's gone... Tenderheart uses his stare magic. The So in addition to the combined stare, the Care Bears also have the power to generate a physical version of their, as they call them, belly badges, which is the symbol on their belly that mm. represents. They are the bears are all the avatars of some concept, either, you know, loose or specific. As I said, friend bear, secret bear, grumpy bear, that kind of thing. Sure. So he uses, he makes a heart appear and bursts open the cage. Uh, and he grabs the key to the book. He finds Nicholas trying to perform Fettuccini's act, but the spirit actually sabotages the simple magic tricks. And the kids all laugh, which adds fuel to Nicholas's vengeful fire. The spirit gives him another spell to cast one which drains the caring from the kids in the audience and make them begin fighting each other. Did you look at the uh, animation of those kids fighting? <laughs> They're straight up punching each other in the face. Like, I thought it would just be, you know, like shoving and throwing stuff. No, there's like the two kids in the front are just exchanging blows straight to each other's, uh, <laughs> straight to each other's pusses, like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I did notice that. And I, I especially noticed it in one of the later shots um, mm. where they're like in the foreground as you're looking at the stage. And I kind of noticed that, you know, they're punching each other, but they sure don't seem to be taking damage from it. <laughs> they're fueled by uncaring. I guess. Yeah. They don't care about being hurt. Mm. Anyway. So Nicholas has some dubious rationale that this is what they did to him, but I don't know. It doesn't, he, he seemed like he wanted friends. Hmm. He didn't seem like, you know, all these kids made me an unfeeling bully. Like, no, they made you mopey and wish that you had friends. Wish enough to sell your soul to a book. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Tenderheart pleads with Nicholas for some semblance of sanity, but the spirit makes Nicholas cast another spell, which unleashes a tornado of evil. Back at Carolot, Kim and Jason are having fun with their new all-but-imaginary friends, when Wishbear comes back with some news. I don't know why, but mm. I really liked Wishbear. I don't know if it's like she has one of the only competent examples of voice acting or what, but like something about Wishbear just really drew me in. Well, I think she's got an identity mm. for one. She's the one that has the uh, spyglass for looking down on the earth. Yeah. So, I mean, among these Care Bears, they all look fairly the same. So just having them differentiated in any way is kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's the voice acting or what, but just Wish mm. Bear really appealed to me. Maybe just like the so, color. <laughs> so, yeah, she she has some news. But before she can explain her news, Tenderheart shows up to warn everyone about a coming disaster. A cloud quake damages Carolot and... In Carolot, they have this meter called the caring meter, which kind of measures the levels of caring in the world. Mm. And that caring meter starts dropping. 
Now, Tenderheart explains what's up regarding Nicholas and the book and blah, blah, blah. And we also get some exposition that if the meter hits zero, no one in the world will care. And that'll be the end of Carolot and the Care Bears. Hmm. And Wishbear decides that this is the right time to tell Kim and Jason that parents have shown up at the orphanage to adopt them. But the kids think it's more important that they help their new friends. And I questioned this at first. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I, I think having parents would be more important than helping your friends conceptually. Right. But then I realized if the Care Bears fail in whatever they're about to do, hmm. uh, they and their new parents won't care anyway. So it's <laughs> yeah. actually kind of it's actually kind of important that they get this resolved for reasons other than just friendship. If you put too much. Uh, well, if you put a lot of weight in what's going on here. The stakes are incredibly high, right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's calamity for the world if they, uh, the carrying meter is zero. Yeah. So the kids and Secret Bear and Friend Bear are teleported back to Earth with the Rainbow Road or whatever it is. And Tenderheart gives Jason the key to the book to hold on to. Apparently, just so the movie has a way to remind us periodically that the key exists. Or that Jason exists. Well... That too. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, Kim is voiced by Cree Summer. And, yep. you know, I, I kept hearing Penny and I also kept thinking about that show I told you about a little while ago, Science, where Cree Summer is an extremely foul mouthed scientist. Oh, I and, never checked that out. I oughta. Yeah. 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 If you want to hear Cree Summer swear a whole bunch, that's the place to go. Which, Not here. Which, you yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it would be a nice little um, counterpoint to this movie. Hmm. Anyway, so they get teleported, and as they're teleported, another cloud quake hits, and Grumpy's readings show that the party never got to Earth. <laughs> they're in some unknown space in between the worlds. The Nowhere King. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the castle on the amusement park grounds, Nicholas is really getting into being a villain. He's taken delight in casting the spirit spells and make everyone in town stop caring about each other. It's like um, a haunted house, I guess. Yeah, it's something. It's 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 got a rail car that goes through it. At, at first, I felt like I missed something and went back. Like, wait, wasn't he in a like a trailer, a little caboose trailer for the magician? Then he was in a castle. You know, I think I did too. Yeah, I think I was just kind of sitting there going along with it, and I went, hey, "Wait a minute, why is he in a castle again?" And then backed up and so, and you know, once I saw it, I was like, "Okay, this is this is a." A fairground. This is an amusement park. I will accept that there is a castle in, a, in an amusement mm. park. All right. Okay. So the spread of uncaring is making the situation in Carolot worse. And the only way that they can think of to find where the kids went. And at first I thought, why don't you just, you know, they're, you know, they're important, but go down to earth and fix this situation with Jason or mm. uh, with Nicholas rather. Yeah. But then I realized that Jason has the key. Whoops. So they actually they actually need <laughs> that's actually relevant. The MacGuffin has a reason to exist. So maybe. they need to find. Well, maybe. Yeah. Well, you, oh, we'll hey, get to it. I guess <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you had the same thought I did, though. It's, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah. I like Secret Bear a lot. I like the yep. fact that he or she 
just communicates by whispering into the nearest ear, even right. though that person is going to immediately give away the secret he just imparted. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, the only way that they have to figure out, because, you know, they can take their cloud cars and stuff to and from Carolot and Earth, but they don't know what is between there. And so they figure the only thing they can do is follow the river that flows through Carolot and hope that it leads somewhere important. So all the bears, except Grumpy Bear and Good Luck Bear, who are fixing the transporter, and the ancient Grams Bear and the infant Hugs and Tugs, because they're useless, hmm. board a cloud boat and start sailing. Good Luck Bear was always... Good Luck Bear is the, te- is the Care Bear that I owned. And it's funny you're saying that uh, Secret Bear is a he or she. Yeah. Care, care Bears... With the exception of a handful of characters who are very defined, they are the most gender fluid of uh, of cartoon properties. Yeah, it's like if a character doesn't have boobs, mm. the way that you tell whether a cartoon character is male or female is by eyelashes. <laughs> but all the Care Bears have eyelashes. So right. you have to kind of listen to the voices and listen for pronouns that other characters use and just do your best. I think the only sure ones, uh, Tenderheart, uh, Nobleheart, uh, mm. Braveheart, and Tugs are the only certain males. And then for females, I guess it's like Grams and uh, uh, who else? Yeah. They do refer to Wish Bear with female pronouns. Right. Cheer Bear. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but most of them vacillate back and forth over their history, including Luck Bear. I thought so. I I had this memory of, I was like, it was, I, I, I had this vague memory of being surprised to learn that Good Luck Bear was female because like I said, Good Luck Bear was my favorite one and the one that I owned. And so it was the one that I always had my eye out. I, cartoons work as commercials for toys, but I always worked it the other way around where I was waiting to see my toy show up in the cartoon. In the uh, deep cartoons, Good Luck Bear has got uh, Irish <laughs> phrases. I, Yes, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, Bagara I, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So now we get to see Kim and Jason and uh, Secret Bear and Friend Bear, and they have landed in a tree in a weird forest. A friendly lion and a playful monkey help them out. These are Braveheart Lion and Playful Heart Monkey, and this is the Forest of Feelings. And these new animal friends are ready to help our heroes find their way to Earth. Back in his castle, Nicholas is happy with the job he's done. He's gotten even with the whole town. But the spirit shows him Jason and Kim, who are protected from the magic by the Care Bears. Nicholas is content to let them go, but the spirit convinces him that they'll come for him. Hmm. And they make him, and it rather, she, whatever, makes him summon a spell to track the kids down while telling him also that more still needs to be done and he needs to find the ingredients for the next spell. I think, uh, I think the spirit, this, uh, monster that he summons, I don't know there's any official lore on this, but this monster either is or becomes no heart from the countdown series. Interesting. Sure seems like it, right? Yeah. Same color, same eyes, same shape-shifting abilities. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I- all right, I'll buy that. Mm. At least until I watch more of No Heart. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other Care Bears, the ones on the boat, 
Um, sure enough, the river leads into the Forest of Feelings, where they are harangued by Nicholas's spell and rescued from calamities big and small by Cozy Heart Penguin and Lots of Heart Elephant. Lots of Heart is voiced by Luba Goy, who is uh. a Canadian actress that we know from This Hour Has 22 Minutes. And she's also, in my mind, she will forever be the wife in the NFB shorts, uh, A Dog's Guide to Complete Home Safety. Oh, wow. And, okay. Like A Dog's Guide to Complete Playground Safety, I think was the sequel, along mm. with um, uh, Harvey Atkin as the dad. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, she's uh, lots of heart elephant. Uh, we check in real quick with Grumpy and Good Luck Bear, who are still working on the rainbow rescue thing. And I like that every time Good Luck Bear talks, he or she <laughs> says something about luck. Right. I, I, it's just a neat little, uh, you know, maybe I had my I, at this point in the movie, Wish Bear had already overtaken Good Luck Bear in my mind. But Good Luck Bear <laughs> was still, you know, I still had some affection for Good Luck Bear. So it was like cute to see that, like that much thought put into the dialogue or like good luck bear should always say something about luck. I'm just imagining a board with all of their tummy emblems and you're like moving them along the meter. Like it's a horse race. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they're still working on the thing. And then we go back to Jason and Kim and the others. Uh, the spell now turns into a villainous tree that tries to eat the kids and their friends, but everyone is saved by the introduction of Swiftheart Rabbit. They only uh, give her call him Swiftheart, and so I wasn't sure if it's Swiftheart Rabbit or Swiftheart Bunny. It's Rabbit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I am or, pretty sure, too. Or Quicksilver. I mean, this rabbit <laughs> is OP. Well, you think that, but let's let's wait yeah. and see. Um, The other bears go through a cave and meet Brightheart Raccoon and use their, you know, ability to make objects out of their belly badges to survive a waterfall. Uh, the assassin spells next trick is to turn into a bird. And as it prepares to finish the kids, the other Care Bears show up in time to vanquish the evil magic with their almost full power stare. <clears throat> Did this spell get destroyed by the Care Bear stare? Because if so, it's not no heart. Well, maybe not destroyed for good. Yeah. You can never get rid of the force of no heart, right? Yeah, that's true. While there is caring, there must be uncaring. <laughs> the balance. All right. So anyway, <laughs> so now the two groups are united. And the other Care Bear cousins we haven't been introduced to yet are summoned. Specifically, Loyal Heart Dog, Proud Heart Cat, Gentle Heart Lamb... And treat heart pig and gentle heart lamb is one like, you know, when I said spirit, swift heart, uh, oh, my God, Just spirit heart elephant. Heart elephant. <laughs> <laughs> That's this episode's title. Uh, swift heart rabbit, like the fact yeah. that I kind of knew instinctively that it was swift heart rabbit. Yeah. By the same thing, as I was typing out these names, lamb just came out instead of sheep. Right. And I was like, oh. And I went and checked. I was like, yeah, my brain from 35 years ago did remember. Okay. I think this has become a thing on the show, right? The pig watch. What do I think about this? Pig? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, after I typed out treat heart pig, I was like, oh yeah, pig. Right. I think treat heart is okay. I like treat heart's yellow color scheme. Um, from most perspectives, the weird muffin shaped nose looks all right. <laughs> and, uh, 
I like that Treatheart has a decadent uh, focus for her sphere of magic. <laughs> so I'll give a plus to this pig. All right. Treatheart pig is a good pig. <laughs> okay. So all of them together head on down the river and Nicholas is warned that this force is coming and the spirit commands him to gather the material components to complete the last spell, which will devour all caring in the world. And her magic also seems to finish entrancing the hesitant Nicholas, turning him fully evil. The Care Bears, and who we will later learn are the cousins, uh, their river emerges from the fairgrounds tunnel of love, which is convenient. Yeah. That's cute, though. It like, is, yeah. Where, where else would it emerge from, you know, a land full of heart emblems? Yeah, but just in case you're not sure what's going on, somebody has graffitied it to say the Tunnel of Hate. <gasps> uh, at this point, the gang splits up and Tenderheart gets Jason to remind us that he has the key and Tenderheart delivers the most reliable foreshadowing in all of cartoons, which is making someone promise to stay out of the fight. Uh, yeah. So various bears and cousins watch and duck out of sight as the maniacal Nicholas wanders the grounds, getting all the nasty things he needs for the spells, like a cigarette butt and apple cores <laughs> and gross stuff like that. But but for a cigar butt and icky sticky gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's all that's needed to corrupt the world with no caring. And the right words. Yeah. Which are nonsense. So. Uh, of course, Jason and Kim happen to run into him and a chase ensues, which Kim and Jason escape. They they uh, elude him in a fun house, thanks to the help of the Care Bears. <laughs> now, of all the possible options for who could be the one who is cornered and unable to run away from Nicholas, it's Swiftheart Rabbit. Right. Well, you, you know. said o you said OP before, but like <laughs> the one that would have the easiest time getting away from this villain is the one who gets stuck. Right. Well, you know, it's carelessness. It's all it's tortoise in the hair kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, literally. Hmm. Nicholas in the hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's cornered, but he is saved when Nicholas steps in some gum which is the last ingredient he needed. And now he's off to cast his spell. Things are looking bad in Carolot as Nicholas's ultimate spell nears completion. But tearfully, or maybe the shading on his bags under his eyes got weird. I don't know. Hmm. It seemed like a tear to me. He finds himself unable to add the gum to the cauldron. His last shred of caring is still holding on for dear life. But then he's startled by Tenderheart telling him to stop and drops the gum into the <laughs> cauldron. Tenderheart is the leader of the Care Bears. Yeah. And it feels like everything that's gone wrong in this dang thing has been his fault. Well, he can't uh, well, assume fault I mean, for this. I don't know. Anyway, now the spell is complete. The Care Bears try their stare, but the spell of uncaring is too strong and brushes them away. Now fully warped by the unfeeling spirit and her spells, Nicholas emerges from his castle to finish the job. 
The Care Bears try the stare again, this time joined in by Grumpy and Good Luck Bear, who finally got the teleporter working, so it's a full power stare. And even the cousins do the only thing they can think of, which is to call, which is to say, let out their animal noises. Hmm. But the power of the spirit is still too much. And that's when Jason and Kim reappear and desperately try to convince Nicholas that they care about him and they want to be his friend. That snaps Nicholas out of it and he closes the book on the spirit, but he can barely hold it. They need the key. We're getting close to that <laughs> thing you foreshadowed before. Yeah. <laughs> Jason has the key, but the spirit just fires a ray out of the book and makes it vanish. And then, so remember I said that these Care Bears can make stuff appear from their belly badges related to what it is. Mm-hmm. So Secret Bear's belly badge is a heart-shaped padlock, and he just uses his or her stare magic to make another key. Or summon the same key, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Now, at first, I was like, well, that makes the whole idea of the key. And, you know, I said the reason that they had to go after Jason and them was because Jason has the key. Yeah. And at first I thought, well, now it's all pointless. And then I remembered that Secret Bear was with them, too. So they actually That's needed right. Secret Bear. They, they, their plan A and B were teleported away. Yeah, yeah. So now the spirit is sealed away and love and caring can return to the world. Even Fettuccini decides that he wants to be partners with Nicholas, even the opening act for Nicholas, which is a bit much, but OK. Right. The Care Bear cousins are inaugurated into the Care Bear family properly by finally getting their cutie marks. I mean, belly badges. Doesn't it feel too, like to me, the cousin's call is kind of lame. Yeah. They should have gotten their belly badges back then so they could join in the stare, that's, which is what they do what in thought, the countdown. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Like, right. I thought they were like, like, you know, Braveheart is like, come on, cousins, let's do the thing. And I thought they were going to have this like My Little Pony style epiphany where they're belly badges appear and they get to join in the stare as well. I actually forgot that they have this call thing that they do instead. Yeah. And but, then I, th but I yeah. think in the countdown, they'll still sometimes say call, even though what they're doing is blasting rays out of their stomachs. Yeah. Anyway, now they have their symbols. Yeah. Kim and Jason get adopted by those prospective parents from before. And if you haven't figured it out by now, it is revealed to us that Mr. Cherrywood back at the orphanage is Nicholas, all grown up. Mm. It's unclear whether Mrs. Mrs. Cherrywood is Kim. I don't think so. And that. Yeah. yeah. All, everybody has blue eyes, so it's hard to tell. Uh, mm. And that is the end. One thing at the start here. I watched a four by three aspect ratio of this. I have to believe that there's a widescreen somewhere. You know, I thought about that early on when I saw so much camera panning, pan mm -hmm. and scan. Right, right. I don't know. Well, I don't think it would make that much of an impact on my opinion. No, of this. probably not. What is your opinion of this? Well, it's interesting and it's uneven, right? Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> I had a weird Care Bears renaissance as a teenager because of an associate who was way into Care Bears. <laughs> or it may be more appropriate to say I was way into uh, Coldheart. Professor Coldheart was like his idol. Oh, gosh. But, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I like formed <laughs> opinions and like you said, like uh, hierarchies of which bears I like better than the other ones. Mm hmm. 
For me, it was for the Care Bears, it was Good Luck Bear. And for the Cousins, it was Brightheart Raccoon. Hmm. Yeah, those are good picks. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a kid's movie, so let's not put too much weight on our opinion. Of no, it. no. Because we but, are so far from the... T- we we yeah. are the people who would be dragging the target audience along to see this movie. Or we would be dragged along, sorry. No, but back then we would have been the target audience for this movie. Oh, back then, yes, yeah. that's true. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I did see this movie in the theater. I kind of... I feel like all Care Bears, that the children are only handled on a superficial level. Yeah. And this movie included, right? Like, this movie has way too many characters. <laughs> like, as well, you say... they're trying to sell toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they, like... This Hudson, was the introduction of the, of the um, cousins, apparently. Yes, Hugs and Tugs didn't need to be in this movie. No. Um, there, there's songs in this movie... And the songs maybe should have, they should have devoted some songs to advancing Kim and Jason and Nicholas. Because as you say, like, it doesn't, nothing really feels earned for their things. Like, you know, that Nicholas has no friends, you know, or that. Yeah. And the idea that, like, you know, he wants friends, but he doesn't have any. And, like, the idea is, oh, just have friends. It's like, no, if you're a kid who doesn't have friends or is unpopular in some way you don't just get friends you've already you know you have like i wasn't a super popular kid i had friends like and i you know i had a group of friends um yeah but like it's not you can't just say you know if you don't have any friends just solve your problem by getting some friends you don't it's hard to do that none of the carnies wanted to be his friend nobody thought it was cool that he could do magic at least poorly, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they could have, like... I guess some things could go a long way, you know? Like, if, if they had... I was thinking about... I'll link this to the, to the animation of this. Because the animation yeah. is not bad. No. And I was thinking, like, well, why isn't this better than, like, TV standards? Right? Because mm-hmm. this doesn't look that much different than the TV show. Um... So I think, yeah. f- for one, the backgrounds are not better, and that's one place they really could have upped their game. Um, but also, almost everything is a medium shot in this, right? Mm. So mm. it means that whether it's action or emotional impact, nothing hits because it's all just sort of like, you know, just kind of watching <laughs> uh, a little ways away. Nothing's low angle. Nothing's high angle. Everything is just sort of it's – like, it's like watching a Garfield strip kind of. <laughs> for a lot of it, right? Yeah. So it could have gone a long way if there could have had, like, if, if the feelings of abandonment in those orphans could have been told through some close-ups or, you know, some, some action. Mm. But as it is, you don't have that, and then you have a lot, a lot of time spent on, well, introducing the various cousins. And they even shortchange half of them. Yes. <laughs> right? Um and then, like, even stuff like Good Luck and Grumpy, right? Those are minutes that are spent back there. So that's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. They could have, like, whacked out um, hugs and tugs and grams from the movie entirely or just had them yeah. in the background because there's just not enough minutes to go around. Yeah, I mean, it is really trying to cram in as many toys as they can. <laughs> On that note, I thought it would be really funny if it was like the Transformers movie 
and they just killed <laughs> off all the characters whose toys <laughs> were in <into> production. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I think at this point, like even if there were toys that weren't in production or at least the the big plush bears, I think yeah. at this point they had also brought out some little plastic like action figure style ones. Right. So, you know, so they could sell the cars for them to drive around in and stuff. So, right, right. You know, regarding the animation hmm. um, and you said it's kind of like TV animation. It's worth noting Nelvana at this point in their history, Nelvana started out making some segments for some children's cartoons and then made a disastrous full-length animated feature, which is near and dear to my heart and no other humans, <laughs> uh, entitled Rock and Rule, which just ruined them. Mm. They, they were forced to do animation for every toy that needed some kind of tenuous cartoon anchor. I think they did, like, Herself the Elf. They did the Mad right. Balls. This was their second movie. This was like they were just scraping by on whatever pittance they could earn by doing these straight to video, you know, herself, the elf cartoons. And so they they didn't really have a lot of resource other than the Care Bears IP when it came time to make this movie. Hmm. And then this movie turned out to be at the time the highest grossing non Disney animated movie ever. Yeah. So they... They were rolling in money after that, and that's how they parlayed it into, you know, making the animated series and making other animated series. Uh, they they had this pedigree and this money behind them, at least for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's worth noting, the other thing I wanted to mention about, I said I would talk about the spirit later. All right, okay. Boy, the way that the spirit's face moves around, and to a lesser extent, Nicholas's when he's at his most evil moments, but especially the spirit. right. You can really see the rock and rule DNA in that spirit. Oh, if yeah. you are if you are one of the like five people on Earth who have seen rock and rule. I bet the other animators were envious of the ones that got to animate the spirit, <laughs> even though it's just a face <laughs> in a book. Just because like, uh, I'm just drawing these Care Bears. That's all I get to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do think that there is it's like a biblical fallacy kind of proposition where the real answer for Nicholas is to be humble and have friends and mm. not wield awesome, dark magic. Yeah. You know, yeah. what a ripoff at the end. He's just doing like conventional sleight of hand tricks. Well, you can make a decent living doing that, I guess. Yeah. And that's but... what he wanted to do. Remember, that's what he wanted to do all along. He wanted people to like him and he wanted to be a magician. Yeah. But then so... he found out that magic was real. I don't know. And then he became the director of an orphanage, I guess. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I just want to touch on the music real briefly. Okay. The songs, I thought, were a real mixed bag. No by kidding. That, by that, I mean within the songs themselves. Oh, okay. I mean, I was thinking that the first one, that care a lot is a place, that one is, mm. is, an, is an all right song. It's a bit of an earworm. Mm. And then when we get to the end, we get that Care Bears family. That's like... Yeah. That's one you can find yourself singing a little bit. And then Forced yeah. to Feelings is somewhere in the middle. And then the rest are trash. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I like the um, Look Out, He's Chasing You song that plays oh, yeah? in the Funhouse sequence. Mm. But what I mean is, so I mentioned Monty Python and the Holy Grail earlier. Okay. There is a documentary about Monty Python uh, on Netflix. I think it's called Monty Python, Almost the Truth. 
And they had their music guy. <laughs> I almost said his name was Neil Gaiman, but it's hey, not. It's no. uh, Neil Eines, I believe it is. Okay. And he was talking about how he was given such a small budget to make the music for that movie. Like he couldn't hire a full orchestra. He could hire just a few musicians. Right. And they tried some stuff and the music was so weak that one of the directors, Terry Jones said, the jokes don't work. You know, all these jokes are so cheap and it doesn't work. If the music behind it is also cheap, we need to go to like the royalty fleet royalty free library and get some real like impactful orchestral music to back this up. Mm. So the songs in this movie, I thought lyrically, they're actually really interesting. Like they're the, the lyrics to the songs are fairly advanced for lyrics or songs of this type, but the music is just so thin and cheap. It's all like, like, you know, synthesizers and like it's like the background music for any cartoon like animated series. I didn't mind the background music, but it is, as you say, the style is totally that. Yeah. Yeah. The ba- but, so it didn't bug me too much. The songs. Oh, and and also the voice. Well, the voice acting in this is also a mixed bag. And I think a lot of the voice actors just don't have the singing chops, especially whoever is doing the voice of Jason. Oh, OK. I think it's like some he, he's one of the three characters who actually got like billing in the credits. Yeah. So I guess he was important in some way, but meh. Uh, some of the songs are just, you know, like they're just songs that come up and some of them are supposed to be sung by the characters. But yeah, inconsistently shown for them singing, though. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure weird. they screwed up at one point where in the Forest of Feeling song, um, I'm pretty sure they had Friend Bear hydroplaning along water while Playful Heart Monkey was saying that they were hydroplaning along water. That was weird but anyway. <laughs> there was also one. <laughs> there, did you notice it? There was one shot when they were fighting off the tree where Braveheart Lion had his cutie mark. Whoops. No, I didn't yeah. notice it. <laughs> no, I, I did. I went back and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then uh, in the next shot, he didn't again. Hmm. You know, for the designs of these care. Well, I, I always like the Deke designs a little better because mm-hmm. I felt they had more shape to them. Whereas when, when I look at the Nilvana version of the Care Bears, all I'm seeing is those foil get well balloons. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of unavoidable since their whole front has to be one of those, right? Yeah. But I looked at various, like like I said, the Deke ones, and then there have been a couple modern series for Care Bears, and mm-hmm. they do a little bit better job, you know, giving them a butt and tapering their legs a little bit. And <laughs> Speaking of butts, it's the thing that annoys me when you have a character with a tail and their butt crack extends past the tail. Okay. This is just a minor thing that that happens. That happened multiple times in this movie. Oh, it would be around where the sign is. Like, I can see that. Not like if you watch Fritz the cat, those tails are straight up coming out of their urbanuses. But um, oh, here's another thing about the Care Bears that I that I thought. So uh, Grumpy and Goodluck are repairing the uh, the beam. Yeah. They're wearing like ponchos and rain hats. Yes. <laughs> now, my question is, 
do do those ponchos have cutaways so that you can see their <laughs> emblems or would their emblems just like appear on the surface of any shirt or jacket they put on i also wondered about that <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's clear plastic in the front oh that makes sense sure i buy it <laughs> but yeah i was especially when um good luck bear is wearing one and he actually manifests a four-leaf clover. Right, right. And I was like, is he doing it through a hole? What's going on? Mm. <laughs> they, they just can't tell each other apart without being able to see their belly badges. Who's the blue one? Is that Bedtime Bear or Grumpy Bear? Right. Well, is he sleeping or angry? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I think we can talk about some voice acting, eh? Sure. As you say, it makes bag, but... How, okay, so I, I found some weird things. Yeah. Like... Nicholas is voiced by Hadley Kay, who later okay. on did the voice of Scooby-Doo in Johnny Bravo cartoons. <laughs> 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 That's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, unexpected Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes. Wow. That's bizarre. Yeah. Um, Tenderheart is voiced by Billy Mae Richards, who... I'm sure you can hear it when you think about it, is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in the oh old my. Christmas stop motion. Yeah? Wow. Yes. I can yeah. absolutely hear that now that you mentioned it. Wow. I've mentioned Dan Hennessy before on the mm -hmm. show. It's yep. Braveheart Lion. And of course, he was, uh, oh, what's his name? Genghis Rex in uh, Dino yeah. Saucers. Yeah. But here's a weird credit. He's also Sentinel from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Baby Hugs, who shouldn't have been in this movie. Yep. Voiced by Terry Hawks, who was Sailor Moon in the Deke dub. Wow. Yeah. I thought she was really good, too, as, as that Sailor Moon. Because hmm. she didn't try to to copy the, uh, what's her name? Kotone Tsuishi? I can't remember her name. Uh, but the original Sailor Moon hmm. did her own thing. But anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, Brian George is Mr. Fettuccini. And he has a face where when you see him, you know him because he's got like hundreds of credits. Okay. For voices, he's Duff Killigan in Kim Possible. And he's um, Geed, Grognan, and someone else in Diablo 2. Yeah. Good day to you, partner. Yes. I'm Geed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at him now. I'm wondering if this is the same guy, the same, the same Brian George. You you know Deep Space Nine? You ever watch that? Uh, a little bit. He's uh, Bashir's father. Huh. Comes to the station for a visit. Well, I just, like, I just loaded up his Wikipedia and, like, the first thing he was was, um, Guru Pathak in The Last Airbender mm. and um, Babu in Seinfeld, the guy who yes. says, you're a very Babu bad Bob. man. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. What? <laughs> oh, I love That's that. That's weird. So Babu. So wait a minute. Now I'm putting it together. Babu, because I never liked that character very much. Yeah. You're telling me that that guy was Geed in Diablo 2? Apparently. Like wow. I say, I had no concept of Brian George into looking him up, but it's like that face. I know that face. You know, even if you don't remember where, he's he's one of those guys. 
Huh. Yeah. And the old- Bob in Bob and Margaret? Yes. <laughs> yep. This is wild. Yeah. Diverse. Okay. And yeah. Just hundreds of credits. Um, the only other voice I have of note here, of course, is Cree Summer, who is mm. underused here. She's got a good kid's voice, good singing voice. Yeah. Didn't even give the time of day to Luba Goy, huh? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think in the TV series, she's Streetheart Pig, too. Hmm. Very possibly. I, I am not 100% sure she's not Gentleheart Lamb in this movie. Hmm. I've got one other thing. An yep. ambition. Remember I was saying that there's Garfield statues all over Indiana? <laughs> Somewhere in Ohio, there has to be some Care Bear fiberglass statues. Somewhere, right? I imagine Cleveland, as those characters are from Cleveland. Yeah, suck it, Cincinnati. <laughs> anyway, I didn't find any in a cursory search. But if you are from Ohio, Celery Stalkers, let us know, like, where can I go to take a picture with a Care Bear? Yeah, are, they, are you super proud of your Care Bears in Ohio? They ought to be. Sure, why not? Anyway, I, I don't know where we go from here. Maybe sometime we'll watch the modern Care Bear series because I've only seen them a little bit. Yeah, I actually, um, just before we did this, I checked, there's a Care Bears wiki, of course, and mm. I just wanted to see the list of Care Bear cousins to see if they were all here. Yeah. And there was one extra one, Nobleheart Horse. Oh, he's in the next who, movie. Well, yeah. yeah. And... So I clicked on him and took a look. It's like, okay. And then I clicked on some other bear. Oh, he was, he was paired with True Heart Bear. Right. And then I clicked on True Heart Bear and it was a totally different art style in the picture. Mm. And I was like, oh, I actually really like that. Where can oh. I see this? Well, in the future, I guess. But probably yeah. not the immediate future. Meaning like, maybe we should talk about what's coming. So, longtime stalkers will remember in the summer here in Vancouver... It was hot, and my way of coping was to watch some wintry, Christmassy specials. And now, in the complete opposite situation, Vancouver is an iceberg. Vancouver is like Canada in cartoons now. Hmm. And so, we gotta watch summer cartoons. For me, Micah, yeah. I went to the desert. Okay. I want you to watch a particular episode of... Futurama. Oh. And this episode is entitled My Three Sons. And Sons is like S-U-N-S, like stars that a planet goes around. I think I know the episode, but I don't remember it very well. Okay. For you, I have something that's probably pretty familiar. Uh Uh-huh. It is from Pokemon. Beauty (laughs) and the Beach. Da-da-da-da-da-da. (laughs) <laughs> whichever version of this you want to watch is fine <laughs> but uh i'll i'll alert you that this episode is censored from tv generally and when it wasn't it had censored parts from it i just did you know i haven't watched a lot of pokemon but i did a quick run of what i know about it and i'm thinking is this the one with the meme yeah okay all right well then i get to see it in context all right well, that'll be a fun way to start this new year. Um, so we hope that you continue to watch Animation Celery in 2022 and beyond. And uh, as you have just seen, you can have an impact on this show because somebody just said you should watch a Care Bears movie and we did it. So if you just go to AC Matsy on Twitter 
and just say, yeah, you should watch this. Guess what? That's an episode. And I'm at Drab Swatch on Twitter. And now that the show is over, I can finally enjoy this piece of gum. Oh, you know what? It's, uh, it's one of those ones with the comic in the wrapper. <gasps> I don't think I get this one, though. Like, okay, see, there's a, a boy in a baseball cap and he asks a girl with a bow, what do you call a crate with ducks in it? And she goes, I don't know what. And he goes, the celery stalker's slogan. We care about everyone, even when they don't care about us.